everybody. As always, it is I, Ryan, host of Dim Told Me To. Uh, I know this episode is a little late this week, and I apologize for that. Not only am I preparing to go away from July 3rd to the 10th, but my grandmother, who lives with us, also had a pretty bad fall coming out of the beauty parlor, so she's actually at rehab right now, and we were trying to get things in order for that, so I'm sorry for the delay with everything. Um, but it's just, life's been a little crazy <laughs> this past few weeks, so thank y'all for bearing with me and things. So, um, let's get into it. So, uh, on the agenda today, I'll go to the updates page on the very back of the book here. If you ever miss an update, ever want to know what happened in the last recent updates thing, um, yeah. So I got section, uh, stuff here for the 28th here. Uh, so I'm gonna go over Oromon, um, card pack number adjustments. I've adjusted the number of cards in each card pack just to make it easy with printing and things. So, um, and that we'll talk about, um, I assembled the first rough list of a card pack, so those will be cool to talk about. And um, I have two creatures to talk about, um, Bad Sea of Darkness and Angelic Kitten. So with that being said, let's get into it. So as a heads up, since I will be gone from um, July 3rd to the 10th, I'm going to try to record. I got to do a lot of work this week before I go away as far as working on the project so I can have at least two-ish updates um, to come up the Sundays after, right? Because if you look at the calendar um i'll be gone from the third to the tenth which is a saturday to a saturday so obviously i gotta record something before the fourth and then something to go up um on the 11th because when i come back it'll probably be late when i come back saturday night and i probably won't have anything really done if i'm away to present to you for that week so um because the internet there is not the best either um all my artists and people that work with me listening to um if I don't respond right away, it takes me a couple days to respond like, just because the internet is very spotty there and I don't know whether it'll be free internet or internet I can use. Um, they pay an outrageous price to use them at the hotel, but uh, we might not get to that. So um, this will be a little bit of an update today on things and hopefully I can work on stuff a lot this week and I might be streaming this week too. Maybe we'll see. I also work two days this week, so I can find time for that too. It's going to be a little hectic, so hopefully I can get a lot of stuff done before I get work done. Um, I have finished nine cards, so hopefully my guy um if you're listening watching um shout out because hopefully at some point i'll be able to get those before i go away which means i can show those off during the next um one of the next two episodes i plan to record to get ahead of the game to show you guys the finished cards otherwise i've just been showing and discussing with paper cards that aren't the legit cards at all and uh so when doing that i can show you guys what the actual cards look like go in depth and do a little card description breakdown for you officially once i finalize the design because the paper cards i have are pretty rough designs compared to what they actually have come out to so with that being said, let's get into it. So, um, again, if you're listening on any platforms, I always put the YouTube link in the description. If you're on Spotify, Spreaker, anything like that, um, Spot, uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., always a link in the description to the YouTube, or you can just type in DM Told Me To on YouTube and see the channel. Drop a sub if you want to get notifications and things, and then that way you can watch and see the pictures of everything I'm talking about. So, without further ado, let's get into that. So, I'm going to start with going about the number of card adjustments. So, in the seal breaking area of the book here which is how to acquire cards oh, acquiring armon so in the seal breaking section i just adjusted things right i changed the first year for players levels one to four and i was talking about so i'll just do a quick recap of seal breaking basically open card packs right and um i have the works in the background too of setting up an actual shop where people can actually buy card packs for your games at home for your players to actually open and be able to uh, um have the actual experience of opening card packs and playing at the table, which I'm super excited for. And um, as a disclaimer, I know I've said this before, I'll say this again. Um, I've been trying to keep things very legit with Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast. So what that means is um, iconic creatures that are in Wizards of the Coast, if they're copyright owned by them, obviously I can't <laughs> do work with them. So what that means is I'll make either spinoffs of their names using creatures kind of like that, or I just don't touch them at all. And I'm thinking of leaning more towards the second option. For example, 
uh, Beholder, Mind Flayer, things like that are owned, like the name of those creatures is owned by Dungeons & Dragons themselves. But obviously things like Baboon and Cat aren't, right? Because that's just, just general creatures that they've used in their games. So to avoid things like that, avoid things like Yuan Teague, things like that. So you won't see creatures along those lines. And if people know those rules better than I do, I'd love to reach out to discuss things to make sure that I'm following things correctly. So if you happen to know anybody that is um, able to break down, I don't want to say um, legal legend, but using the open game license, right? What, what, um, making sure that this project is following things along those lines. I think it is so far. Um, so without further ado, like I said, let's get into the skill breaking. So uh, one of the best ways to get Oromon cards is from purchasing packs from around the world. Depending on your tiers of play, will determine what packs you get access to. Certain packs will be offered from the following tiers. First tier, second tier, third tier, fourth tier. And inside those tiers, I'm thinking of making early and late game um, level tiers. So for example, right, uh, we'll get to that when we get more into the card packs later, but there'll be certain packs that you can get recommended for levels one and two, and packs are recommended for three and up inside those tiers. They're all based around the creatures that you have access to, but the better packs are going to have better access to stronger creatures within those tiers if that makes sense right so um early game pack creatures will contain mostly like commons uncommons maybe a few epics a few legendaries etc where late game card packs in that same player tier of one to four will have a higher chance of acquiring different epics and legendaries in the card packs and also if you ever want to make a card pack or submit your own creatures for the game you can hit up the patreon which is also linked down below if you're interested in doing that and every month you'll be able to add a creature or a card pack. I'm going to get the details discussed and you can have your own impact and leave your own mark on this book. So when it gets released someday and you're playing with your home games, you can tell people, yeah, my name's on there. Um, Especially if it's a Patreon created card, make sure that the name of the person that submitted it is on the card where the idea came from, along with the artists and things. And I, um, I can help reach out with getting art and stuff. But if you find art that you really like that you know you can use, or if you draw your own art and you want to have your own art featured in this game printed on actual playing cards, I can do that for you. So um especially um check out those patreon tiers because those are um pretty much done so um tiers involving things along the lines of being able to make your own card packs make your own cards every if you're on a tier every month or every other month i send you an actual playing card that's signed a little note written for me about them so it's looking to be really good and really exciting and so if you're interested in that be sure to check that out anyway um so each tier will have its own set of card packs the players will unlock as they reach the next tiers these packs are combinations of Oromon creatures and spells for example a second tier player will be able to access first and second tier card packs. This allows players to try new and stronger creatures and spells to summon, while in addition, allowing them to strengthen their older cards through fusions. Uh, each card pack for Oromon for Oromancers to open and break the seal of contains usually nine cards in it consisting of. And this is where I was trying to decide, right? Do I want it to be more um I'd make make a number of nine, right? So I was thinking of doing five common rarity cards, two uncommons, one spell, and one rare epic or legendary card for a grand total of nine cards. The other option I was kind of shooting around too was if four commons and three uncommons is almost better than five and two. But I feel like when you traditionally open a card pack, whether it be Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, right? Uh, Hearthstone, uh, other types of card games, card packs, things like that. They traditionally have more commons than uncommons, but by a majority. Right, it's not just four commons, three uncommons, and then one of each of the other cards. So to keep that tradition, I think doing five commons and two uncommons is the better the better play there. Um, now, now I look at it too. Right, if you were to sell a single in a card shop, which is on the common to the left, right, how much each goes? Ten. If you sell ten common cards, it gives you one gold piece. And obviously, if you don't want to use the creatures to make them stronger because you're not about that, that's what your deck's not focused on. That's where that option should be able to sell them. 
Um, the rarity of the last card each pack varies by card pack. Each card pack can be found in the card pack section of this module, which shows the table players may roll from to see which cards they open from a pack. And it, this here says page 13. That is uh, wrong. <laughs> I don't know what page number that'll be yet, so I'm going to just do page X because I'm unsure yet what page that's um, going to be confirmed. So, And because stuff gets shifted and slid around. So, nine cards in the card pack, and that way when you print a sheet, when I, on my end for printing, to save paper, to savings, so that you guys, so I can charge um, card packs and cards cheaper, and I don't have to spend, I don't have to charge you guys more if you were to buy a card pack or something. Remember, these are going to be actual playing cards that you'll be able to buy online. They'll be shipped to your house. Hopefully, um, not to figure international sales and things like that, but it's um, obviously something like I said, working on in the background too while all this is going on. So this is a big, this is a big asshole, a big deal. I'm taking this pretty seriously if I can. So uh, with that being said, right, we lowered it. It was originally ten. I lowered it down to nine just because we're printing. You put three cards, three rows with three cards on a sheet, and boom, you're set. So anyway. Uh, there's that. If I was go consult our little list quick, right? So we got changes to our seal breaking packs with nine cards. Next one is uh, Amas Athletes. So that's the name of the first card pack. Um, for all you guys that are fans of this, and even if you're new, welcome. Um, this uh, was a podcast we originally did a series based on Pokemon DD, which we stopped due to copyright issues, things like that. So that's why when I'm making this, I'm making sure I'm following all the right rules that I'm legally allowed to do. So I'll. Uh, with that being said, let's get into it here. So, because I think I'm going to organize all the creatures by all their tiers by rarity um, at, at some point, right? I've been working mostly on the first tier, getting all those ready, and then moving on to the next and so forth. So, um, at some point, they will all be organized. They will all be down. You can see the rarities of each creature from each tier to see how things look. But obviously, that, that is a future towards the end of goal. I'm just basically working on things right now. Anyway, Armand card packs. So, right, I wrote the chip. There's actually page 18. And it's not even page 18 because I have to finish filling out the second tier. So creatures CR 4 through 10, their rarities, and creatures 11 and up, and things like that. So anyway, uh, so let's get into the Oramon card packs. Uh, so the card packs, and this is a little bit of a repeat from the, the previous section on seal breaking, but I just wanted to reiterate it, re-put it down here. So the card packs in this world are the best source for Oramon collecting. As you open a pack of cards, it is known as breaking the seal and releasing the contents inside, floating in front of the play who opened them. Picture like you'll... Rip open a card pack and the cards float all around the player. Pretty cool. The card packs are organized and can be unlocked as the players progress through levels in the game. It's organized into the same tier system as players. So first tier is players levels 1 through 4. Second tier is players levels 5 through 10. Third tier is player levels 11 to 16. And fourth tier is player levels 17 to 20. And that's just um, basically a, a good uh, reference point. And you as DMs or players here, that way you know, okay, what cards can I have access to buying right now? Um, and that way, a level... Two player doesn't summon a Trask. It's a perfect example I can use, right? Um, not that they get lucky or whatever, but just general stuff. So each tier will have packs broken up into early and late game card packs. These signify packs that can be unlocked as players reach the higher or lower end of a tier by DM discretion. It also helps to show off the idea that card shops are getting new packs daily, or perhaps the adventurers travel around and discover shops that sell better packs than the previous did, right? So just the idea of where it's like, as they go and explore in certain regions might have Card packs are traditionally to them. Like if your players are exploring a desert for a mission, perhaps you as a DM throw together a desert pack. And it's a pretty simple format to make your own pack here. Um, so each pack is just the following, like I said before, five common rarity cards, two uncommon rarity cards, one spell card, and one rare epic or legendary card. Uh, to see what you get from the packs, you will roll in each table the number of times to see what cards you open. For instance, my character just bought an Amas Athletes pack, so I'd roll to see what cards I obtain. I would roll a d20, five times from the commons list, 
then two times from the uncommon list, then a d12 once from the spell list, and then finally roll a d12 from the rares, epics, and legendary list. These will be the cards my character will now own in their binder. Right? Pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. So, in real life, if you were to buy card packs for you and your players to bust open and use at the table, which I love opening card packs, and people like to watch card pack opening videos and things, so once I eventually make card packs and things like that I'll, I'll have card opening packs videos hopefully on the channel to show off the new cards what's in them things like that so for example the first one um like i was saying so i wanted to definitely do a throwback to the first campaign at the very first thing that got this channel off the ground with pokemon dnd so with doing that i based um card pack names at least for the beginning of the early type of players to use based on the um people in uh that world right that story so and eventually at some point if we get support on the Patreon, people on Patreon, you guys can make your own card packs for your players to use. Um, you obviously won't be making the creatures, you'll make lists and we'll work on it. I will help you build, I'll show you the formats and how things should look. Theme, help you orient creatures and things. You can actually have your own card packs we put into the game. That's pretty cool. Um, later, later, later art, because I'm still working on art for creatures. Um, artists, if you're out there, um, I obviously can't spend too much for each piece of work. And I want to make sure that people are comfortable getting what they feel that they deserve for each drawing. Um, I'm going to need a lot of art, <laughs> right? Because I'm giving each creature in D&D 1 to 2 evolutions, and I need art of the basic creatures themselves, and art for spells, and art for now card pack. Heaven for banning art for items later, too, but we'll see how that goes. <sighs> this is a big project, so obviously any help at all, if you guys know artists and things, um, I, you want to join the Discord, also link down below and DM me. That would be awesome, because I'm always looking for people, like I said. So, um, And like I said, I can't spend... $80 for one piece of art because I have to get like over thousands and thousands of art of art drawn. So obviously the support so far, that's not a huge possibility as of right now. But nonetheless. Anyway, let's get into Amma's athletes. So uh, I'm gonna go through all the card uh, card pack ideas names first. And these are obviously rough, rough, rough designs. Um when they get finalized and things, I can actually show you. Um once I finish getting art for all the creatures too, right? Because I need art for those too. Um then I'll be able to get the cards made and be able to get them printed to show people off of what we got. So uh, first pack is, um, so this is the first tier early game packs, right? And uh, and as I said before, each tier will have packs broken up into early and late game packs that will determine, um, and by game discretion, you can determine, right? So level one players probably won't get access to late game or late game packs of their tier yet because those are meant for players to cast and summon at third and fourth level. But I wanted to make that division up. And maybe if they're on the cusp of leveling up, then they have access to those high level packs. Another question um, for you guys to drop in the comments, because I know some people like to definitely respond to the comments when I ask this, so thank you for those that do. Um, if, should players in this world gain XP from defeating the creatures that they fight, or should they get level up determined by the amount of battles that they uh, partake in? Right? Should it be, okay, you need to complete at least like 15 battles to go from level one to two. Those battles could be with wild creatures, they could be with other duelists, and then that way you don't have to worry about gaining XP depending on what creatures you fight, things like that, because then people will just gain so much, because think about it, right? If I'm summoning creatures to fight for me, and they're taking other people's creatures, and if they release creatures, they switch creatures out, they summon new creatures to fight with, then how does XP work with them? Should what, because then one player, your team of players might be able to get enough XP to level up pretty fast. I think if I don't do it based on a just general fight system. And in that way, too, you as DMs can arrange things like, okay, I can expect my players to 
once they do their 15th fight in the world, gain a level, and then by getting a level, I can make that 15th fight pretty hard, like a boss fight, and I can arrange other fights leading to that. Uh, and then that way, your players can feel like, okay, all we have to do is three more fights against things out in the wild, and we gain XP. Or then we might level up. And that is no different than if they were to gain XP normally. The only difference is people that like to reward XP through uh, roleplay and not always combat-based, um, you wouldn't be able to do that with having needing a certain number of battles uh, to level up. And then it becomes a whole, uh, should this be a game based around just combat and forget about roleplay? I don't want that either. So definitely something to think about. Um, so let me know down below if you think I should make this be a specific a combat-oriented game and make players be able to gain levels through um, just fighting, right? I mean, like, okay, level 1 to 2, you need to win 15 fights. Get from level 2 to 3 as an Armancer, you have to win 30. Because you gotta understand, doing fights in this should take a little bit of time, but it should be no different than an actual combat in D&D. You're just using creatures to fight for you and shuffling with cards and fighting with cards. So, uh, anywho, I'm as athletes. So, getting at the first card pack here, uh, Oramon inside these packs are great for power Oromancers and those that like to possess Oramon, all about fighting on the front. So, uh, Ama, for people that don't know and have just joined for this project, awesome, amazing, welcome. I'm super glad to have you guys here because this project tried to take off the ground. So every help is greatly appreciated. Ama's athletes, right? So Ama was a character in our in the first campaign uh, we did on this podcast here. If you've seen season one of the show and stuff, you know you've seen this stuff with her. And um, so I just wanted to do a coup d'etat. And she was all about getting Pokemon together for the Pokeathlon, right? It was her thing. So naturally, I had to devote a pack to Ama's athletes. Another one is Charlie's Chemicals. Charlie was the chemist of the group. A little chaotic, so I figured uh, Charlie's Chemicals. Ormond inside of these packs are great for mystic players and those that love elemental damage. It contains creatures that can cast spells and magical effects on their own while also having some protection against magic as well. So they're all about things that are good for mystic users. And then Gregory's Greens, based on Tyler, Gregory, and our first uh, Pokemon D&D campaign. Uh, Ormond inside these packs are great for celestial users and for players that like to be there to help out their team. Um, teams uh, consist cards that can heal others and help to protect others through raising their AC. So basically, right, each these three packs, um, as well as Captain Scott's treasures, a good d'etat to Michael for playing with us too, being Captain Scott. This pack is all around Armand, and when evolved, we'll get you, we'll get you, we'll get you, not your. Uh, let me fix that quick. We'll get you items or money to help you get an economic advantage in this world compared to other packs. Spells help help for you and your Oromon to sneak around. Basically, it's a pack all around getting you things, right? Uh, or things that help with role-playing to get things. So think of the spell Invisibility, for example, right? Or spells that let you be able to get around to different places and get advantage to attack other people. Or if you put your Badgering, right? His ability is all around... Um, his key card ability is all around little treasures. He brings you little presents every day, things like that. So that's where that idea is headed towards with that. Um, and obviously these card packs will become more finalized as I finish developing the creatures themselves to see their evolutions, to show off their evolutions to you guys. And then um, the Swindler's Crew was the last one for, for early game, right? So the Ormond in this pack are all around creatures that like to work with their allies, give themselves and others a stronger combat advantage. A popular ability in this pack is pack tactics. It's a great idea, right? Having creatures that like to be with their allies, getting advantage to hit because their friend's also hitting. Sounds like the pirates. And I remember... Um, if you haven't seen that scene in the podcast, um, I'm going to say right now, spoiler alert, okay? 
If you're watching the Pokemon campaign and still listening, amazing if you are, keep checking it out. I was going to say a scene here. Um, if you haven't made it there yet, I'm, just, I'm letting you know. Spoiler alert. Okay, I'm going to say it pretty quick. Uh, this reminded me of the scene in the campaign where that all the pirates were attacking our main heroes on the boat and everyone was getting shot from all over and they had to basically fight them all off to survive. Okay. Spoiler alert, done. Um, you basically skip to this. If you skip to this, you uh, skip the piece, which is good if you don't want that little spoiler. But basically, right, it's the idea of that working together is, is beneficial and can be really de detrimental, especially if bad guys do it. So that was just an example with the Swindler's crew there. Um, and watching on YouTube this right now, as you see, this, these packs are open. I just have the slots in of the 20 slots for common, 20 slots for uncommon, the 12 slots for spells, and the rare epics and legendary slots. So uh, first tier late game packs. These are just two rough, rough ideas. I need to think of more. Uh, but a ghoul's best friend is the kind of the uh, the capture I've been quoting on last episode. And I just thought it was a cool idea. Where Oramon inside these packs are great for being able to work with cards that have effects that apply poison in an area, right? So the gas and ghoul have AOE poison effects, and the um, uh, spores and things like that that have special effects with poison. Uh, you can find in here and creatures that work well with that that are maybe immune to poison but can grapple things to hold them in the poisonous area. Pretty good. And then Dragon's Den, I think it would be a cool idea. So Ormond inside these packs are dragon cards that are some of the strongest magic creatures you can have early game. The use of some of these cards revolve around the use of dragons taking advantage of their breath attack. So, again, things where it's like, um, if I'm immune to poison, but I can grab some, or if I'm immune to fire, and I can grapple and hold on to something, and the fire dragon comes by and breathes, I'm immune to poison, I'm not taking damage. But if I'm holding him, he'll take a bunch of damage, so... There's ideas with those there. Um, I have to adjust the rare epics and legendaries on the uh, first tier late game packs because those I ended up moving up early. So a good idea of what, of what to expect in each card pack, right? So list of 20 commons, list of 20 uncommons. As far as their CR and tier ranks, those will vary just depending on what creatures actually fit. So in some packs, there might be more creatures of CR 1-8 than, than CR 0. And that's just how that they fit thematically, which, which I don't think is a problem, right? Because ultimately, if you want a specific card in a pack, then you can see that and think, okay, I have to roll to try to get that, no matter what. And there will be duplicates. There's only so many creatures in this, guys. Um, Fan-made creatures will also be included in this, too. So again, if you're on Patreon and you want to hop on board there and start getting the ball rolling and we work together to make fantasy creatures, your creatures could appear in card packs, too, in the future. So, very fun. Um, for spells, so I have a rough count of about, uh, for the D12 list of spells in the early packs, five uh, CR0 spells. Four uh, uh, spell, I'm sorry, not CR, but uh, five spell level zero, four spell level ones, two spell level twos, and one spell level three spell, and the basic card packs, right? Those will obviously change um, if you go from the early game packs to the late game tier one packs. They're more like higher up in your tier of more, more, more rare packs, I should say. Now, ultimately, if you're trying to collect a card to fuse up to level up because you think its evolution would be really cool for your idea or for your your play style, then obviously you might just keep going with the cheaper first game packs too, as opposed to buying the late game packs. So again, card game. There's gonna be a list of cards in each pack. So right, so for the rare epics and legendaries, I have uh one, two, three, four, five, six rares, four epics, and about two legendaries in each card pack. That gives you right on average. If you have two options on a D12, that gives you roughly one in six packs to contain a legendary creature. Which I don't think is that is that bad, right? That's a one in six chance. 
Now, it's also more likely for you to get a rare or an epic, but nonetheless, you guys still have a chance to get it. And I think one in six is definitely a fair odds. I think depending on certain magic gatherings, that's like one in four. I know Hearthstone is the pretty timer and it uh, within one in 30 packs, you're guaranteed one. But and again, when it comes time for me to actually print cards and things, I'll keep it traditional. I'll keep the, uh, the things traditional. And you can roll duplicates, right? No one's saying you can roll a pack and not get the same D20 number multiple times for the commons. You're rolling in that D20 column five times. So I tried to make like like the bottom tier in the beginning ones, like like the 20 slots be like the highest CR. So traditionally like a CR2, especially in the early game packs, I think CR2 will be the divider. And then um, CR2 and 3 will be more dominant in the late game hard packs as opposed to the early game of that tier, right? So there's one CR2 Berserker and one CR2 um, of Ghast in this pack. So basically go through all this pack, right? You get basically things all around. This is a good pack for people that are starting in the power class. So Amas for power, right? Charlie's for mystic, Angry Gary's for celestial. So after that, it's just cards with other themes. And to find the ideas of a lot of creatures with a lot of themes is kind of where I'm at for making card pack ideas. So Definitely, if that's something you like and you like the idea of just being able to put groups of creatures or groups of things together, let me know. And we could sit down and talk over Discord and work stuff out to be able to build a um, card pack that you think, and it can be in the book. So I think a pretty cool idea. So to go through Amas then quick, right? So for the commons list, it was tough. I'm going to be honest. It was tough to find uh, a lot of commons that really helped with the kind of power class because what I, what I use to quantify what fits for a power class, right? Um, looking at the class's abilities. So creatures, obviously with a strength of 13 or higher, is a big thing. Because you get a plus one to your attack rolls for having that. Because So obviously I throw in creatures with high strength stats or things that would be around that for good. Go to, or just generally, like, stuff I could see fighting on the front lines. So, for example, like, in the, in the common list, you have things like, oh, commoner, camel, mule, pony. A lot, a lot of the animals early, early game actually had a pretty high strength score. So that's probably more up your alley than later things. Like panther, riding horse. Ape, uh, Death Dog, Giant Eagle, Giant Hyena, Hippogriff, Lion, uh, Berserker. I figure Berserker is a great example, right? Of something where it's like, I'm going to get advantage to hit. Enemies get advantage to hit me, but I have a high strength score. So I'm going to get a little bit of an edge and I get it. Um, I basically go crazy on the front line. So, yep, there's that. And like I said, this is a rough sketch because creatures are going to get evolutions. They're going to have different abilities. They're going to have different stats. And um, so that's something to take into account too. Something that starts here as a common, because it's basically common, when it evolves, its evolution will be around a common, but its CR is a lot higher. So to go from CR0 is CR3 and then CR5, right? And that's something that, that starts at CR0. Something that starts at CR1 uh, might go up to 4 and then 6 or something. I have to really figure out the, the level breakdown for the evolutions because that will help me gear towards shaping which creatures are which. At the end of the day, this might just be a mess, and I might have to rework the whole system. But for now, it's seeming to be okay. Uh, stuff that are in the uncommon list for, for Amas athletes, right? Things that are pretty athletic are strong creatures again, so like boar, uh, wolf, crocodile. Um, zombie, because it seemed like a good kind of creature to, to throw in. Same thing for skeleton. And um, again, in the back works, I have good ideas for, for those kinds of creatures. So I think... I think those will be fun because skeletons and zombies are very common. So there's a lot of art or different evolutions that might include almost like Eevee, right? How Eevee has different evolutions in Pokemon. So I might make it be based on class, might be based on items you're carrying, might be based on 
the attacks you've done with the creature might be done based on the uh, area that you evolve it, things like that. So, um, again, a lot of giant things are usually a, a power special because they have a lot of strength. So, giant octopus, giant spider, giant vulture make the list. Uh, rust monster is a cool one that actually, I'm going to check right now quick, um, D&D rust monster, take a look at that quick. Yeah, has it? Look at that, a strength of thirteen. So guess what? It's it just made the cut. So it's unique how many creatures like you think like like a lot of them actually had like twelve and were kind of close. And I was really debating on dropping the uh, the strength requirement from thirteen down to twelve, but I feel like like thirteen really sets the bar for for what creatures you could have special use with. So and obviously said I might change Gast. Um, we'll we'll see. Let me see. Candy five E Gast. I think it, I think Gast reached the uh, reached the threshold of strength. Yeah, strength of 16 was for the gas. That's why I put that in there. Even though it has like a stench and an AoE kind of magic damage. And if that's the case, I might change it to something else because obviously it's not the... Uh, I mean, maybe I'll do it as Mimic. Is Mimic that strong? I know I'm kind of doing stuff what I should have been doing on stream, but uh, I think it's cool to just kind of work on it a little bit during the episode because then people can hear my thought process and come check out the streams if they ever want to. And the streams are just a talk for me to feed ideas up. Yeah, I'm going to put Mimic in instead because I think Mimic's a little better for... Well, then it comes down to the question, right? Is the Mimic an athlete? <laughs> for for Amma's athletes there. Uh, let's see. I'm just looking at the, un the uncommon category. I mean, I could do like Gargoyle. I don't know how strong Gargoyle is, but... Yeah, you know what? I think Gargoyle is a little better. I could see a Gargoyle being more of an athlete than a Mimic. Even though Mimic's pretty cool and pretty strong, pretty interesting creature, yeah. So we'll change the um, the ghast here to a um, gargoyle. And obviously, these are also creatures that um, appeared in your starting deck, right? There's a few copies of creatures that have appeared in your starting deck to reuse to make them stronger. So that is some of the commons and uncommons. Some of the spells that we have here is the. Um, so, spell list, right? I, I had to consult the power spell list. So, Eldritch Blast, Firebolt, Mending. I have to throw in some utility spells, guys, because ultimately, right, you can cast the spells outside of battle equal to the number of spells you can include in your deck once per long rest. Uh, so, until you recharge those spell slots, just like a wizard would in D&D. So, if I can cast two spells, if I have two spell cards in my deck, I can cast two of any spells from my deck outside of, outside of my deck, outside of combat. Um, yeah, so without needing a long rest to recharge them, so. So, we have things where it's like, Eldritch Blast, Firebolt, Mending, Produce Flame, True Strike, Compel Duel, things like that. So, um, Detect Magic, I think, is pretty cool, right? That has some story element to it. Same thing for Mending, could have some story element. I will always remember, and I'm not going to spoil it this time, um, if you haven't checked out the D&D one-shot with the um, Hound of Cabal Manor, check that out because Mending gets used in a crazy way for that one-shot. And if you haven't checked it out, um, definitely be sure to put that on your list of a one-shot to check out that we've done because, God, Mending was just used in such a cool way. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure to. And if you have, you know what I mean about how Mending was used in a really interesting way. So uh, anyway, like Inflict Wounds, I think Shield's a really good one, right? Branding Smite, Zone of Truth, Blink. All fun kind of spells I could see the power class being able to use pretty efficiently, though. And then the rares, epics, and legendaries, right? We got Crawling Claw, Tribal Warrior, Guard, Mastiff, Elk, 
Dark Mantle, Noble, Deep Gnome, Fire Snake, Kawatawa, Troglodyte, and Flying Thor. So, obviously there is, there is strong rares here compared to others, there are strong epics here compared to others, and there are strong legendaries compared to others, but it ultimately depends on what you want to do and what you acquire more of. For example, Troglodyte is a pretty weak legendary, but it's a starting legendary card in your deck. So, you could open the Troglodyte, and that's kind of like the worst of the two legendaries, but you could sell that if you want for money, right? And then open up more packs, attract more duplicates, diffuse up your other cards. But if you've acquired a lot of Troglodytes over your fighting in caves, fighting in things, and you want to be able to use them to fuse, to level it up, and evolve it, who knows what it'll evolve and do, because I'm not there yet, but it could be something that's actually quite strong. So I keep, my, I keep, I keep evolutions in consideration when things evolve uh, by their rarity. So for example, a common evolution is going to be a lot easier to acquire than something that I've deemed a legendary for that tier or that ranking. They're going to have a stronger stat, stronger ability, stronger things that they can do. So, and believe me, I've played a lot of card games over the years. I, I, I've looked at kind of strong abilities versus weaker abilities, and uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what, what comes out of this game. And obviously some creatures, like I said, will probably move around on their rarities. As I work on them more, I'll be like, oh, that's actually pretty good. All right, I'm going to move that ability, change that out for something else. Obviously, if you evolve a creature, that's also pretty good. But then you got to compare that to other creatures of that tier. So, CR0 creatures will become CR3. Well, if I opened a CR3 creature, how does that weigh in comparison to something that I've evolved it into already? So that's what I've been doing too. So there's a lot of analysis that have gone into this. Uh, a lot of creatures have been adjusted and, and talked about. So, with that being said, I think this is a good segue to bring us into some of the creatures here, right? So, um, some of the rare epics and legendaries quickly. Um, like I said, for Crawling Claw, Tribal Warrior, Guard, Mastiff, a lot of those things have an above strength of 13. So, you get that you get that bonus of using them because of their stats. So, certainly something to think about with that. Okay, going on. So, like I said, so I've only finalized Amma's Athletes, and at some point... I'll get art for that, which would be cool to get printed on, on packs. I might just do paper for packs in the beginning until I can find an actual, like, way of containing them and have it be nice, that's easy to kind of cut open or rip open with your hands and things. So, we'll see how that looks. Anyway, going on here. Um, the other ones, like I said, work in progress on the other list. I really have to finalize the creatures and their evolutions more, but I wanted to show you guys the packs that I've kind of thought about already so far. And just see what you guys think. So do you guys have suggestions of packs based on our um <clears throat> excuse me, based on our stories that we've done so far? Is there any cool ideas that you think pack names should be in addition? So something cool to think about. If you want to create your own, like I've said before, Patreon's the place to go. So okay. Let's get into some of these creatures here. So um I've been finishing up getting art and stuff done. Uh let's see. Yeah, I have the first nine done, right? So I have cards finalized for Awakened Shrub, Thornmonger, Baboon, Biomorph Baboon. Badger, Badgerang, Bat, uh, stuff we're going to talk about today, Bat, Sea of Darkness, Cat, and Angelic Kitten. So, I have the first, like, 10, 11 cards done, which I think is, is so cool to say, right? To say, like, hey, I have cards finalized, I have cards made, I have art done and finalized of the first 10 cards in the game. I think that's just so cool to say. So, anyway, let's get into Bat, Sea of Darkness, and Angelic Kitten, because those are two creatures I'm going to talk about today, and hopefully in the next episodes I can talk about, um future things like Seymour. I have the um, clawing, Crawling Claw art and its two evolutions almost done. They're looking so good. Uh, I love the artists I've been working with on five or two. Like I said, 
I've only done a few creatures here, right? So I need spells. I need stuff. So I'm going to be hiring a lot of different artists. But like I said, I can't afford a ton. So, um, but if you have know of an artist, I'd like to make some quick money just doing stuff over the summer or just if they want to draw for me and do stuff, that's totally cool too. Reach out. Drop them down below, Mr. Man, Discord. My DMs are always open for anybody. So totally cool to talk about stuff. Anyway, let's go on here. Uh, we talked about Thornmonger last time. I showed out the art for that. Uh, the Biomorph Baboon art finalized. I don't know if I showed that off last time, but here it is. If you can see it, I think it looks great. Because um, remember, I have to ultimately use, um, got my own art for, for everything. So I'll show you where I based this idea of the one off of. And if you are somebody that's been around since like episode one or two, you definitely know what, um, what I mean when I say this here. So let me see if I can get it up here. So I took the original idea of, of the Baboon that I was able to find and use for my purposes. And I basically sent this to my artist, uh, and I was like, hey, I'd like this. Like, I'd like this creature. This baboon was drawn by Wizards of the Coast. So they own it. They own the whole thing behind it and stuff. Um, and so I obviously can't use that because it's theirs. But what I was able to do is reach out to my artist guy and say, hey, um, I got this baboon guy here that I'm able to use. Do you think you could make this baboon? A uh, little white baboon guy, which will be on a playing card that you guys get baboon, you'll be able to see it. Um, and if you could make like a fusion of it, that that like an adaptation, like an evolution of it, it has like two heads like this, two tentacles, and it's pretty much it that I wanted because that's its abilities, right? And um, what did you think? And the guy was like, "Yeah, sure." And bam, look at that guy. Oh, I think he looks so good of like of what I was going for, right? Because like, look at him. He's got those two tentacles coming out of him. He's all gray, like the other one is. He's got the two heads, and that's all he needs. Because he's got the up pass perception, he's got the climbing speed because the tentacles letting him be able to like climb really fast, and he's just a medium creature, which is what he is. And Carl, man, if you guys haven't checked out, um, K A A R L, Carol, Carl, sorry if I'm saying it wrong, um, Ivanovich art underscores between each of those words on Instagram. Be sure to check him out. He does amazing art, and he's a great artist I've been working with recently that has been able to help me really take this off. Um, and get into a good um state of mind. So he's the artist guy I've been using for a bunch of stuff. So I just want to show off his stuff there. Obviously, you guys know Badgering. Uh, okay, Batsy of Darkness. Uh, a coup d'etat, again, to uh, one of the characters in the first campaign. Um, uh, Batsy being an uh, iconic bat that then became Mr. Bat and things. So um, I felt it was just cool to incorporate that into here. And this is basically if Batsy was to ever get corrupted. Here's what a Batsy looks like. So this is uh, Batsy of Darkness. Um, I have an actual like, cave background and things on the actual card, but for now I just have this, this art here. This is drawn from Gary on DriveThruRPG as Purple Duck Games, so I've been purchasing a lot of arts through, through them on DriveThruRPG that they say I can use for commercial use and things, so I'm, I'm good, right? So I've been making sure I'm following everything to a T. Anyway, let's get into Batsy of Darkness. So it's a small fiend, demon, chaotic evil, AC of 13, hit points 55, kind of kept the same speed a little bit from the bats. If it walks, it's a speed of 5, but if it flies, it's a speed of 40. Its strength is 6, its dex is 16, its con is 10, its intelligence is 4, its wisdom is 12, and its charisma is 6. So it gets a bonus to stealth, because stealth being plus 3, because obviously this is like a dark bat. If it flies around in the darkness, of course, vulnerable to radiant, because it is a demon. Most demons actually are kind of vulnerable to radiant. Um, it is resistance to fire and necrotic, because it is like a demon type of creature, and it's immune to poison. And I did not know this until I started looking into creatures that... Most demons in D&D are immune to poison specifically, despite not having poison attacks. Maybe just because they're not totally alive. If anybody knows that, I'd be interested in seeing that comment down below on why I guess all the demons in D&D are immune to poison. Definitely an interesting thing. Um, 
since it's got blind sight of 60 feet, has perception of 11, I basically just copied what they had for bat again. And that's what the bat has in this normal stat block. Because remember, this is an evolution of the normal bat in D&D. So, all right, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Oh, language is abyssal. I'll give you a point later. I think, why is the bat talking? Because uh, regular bats don't talk <laughs> in D&D. So let's get into um, its, its key card ability. So when you're key card for 24 hours, the Armancer will be able to understand Abyssal and speak it. Now this is obviously a good character, uh, a good creature to start out to be your uh, key card if you know you're traveling to some area where there is demons, a demi-plane of, of evil Abyssals and demons and things like that. Where if your character doesn't know Abyssal at baseline, boom, by having this bat, you now have unlocked the ability to be able to understand Abyssal and speak it. So again, a cool kind of utility bonus for having them out. And that's where, um, I like the idea of Pokemon D&D always traveling with your buddies, but they ultimately didn't have any real benefit for the player, right? You could have a bond and bond with them and they would get a benefit, but they never really gave you the player a benefit. And that's where with this game, I wanted to kind of include that in too, by having it be your buddy for 24 hours to be able to understand Abyssal and speak it. Um, and what is the unique, uh, it also has echolocation, like a normal bat does, where bats of darkness can't use its blind sight when it's deafened. Keened hearing, bats of darkness has advantage on wisdom, because its perception checks or rely on hearing. There's normal stuff for the bats. But usually, like I said, so when a creature evolves in this game, it's going to get a new ability and a key card ability that it didn't have before. And then you'll see someday the creatures that evolve to a second evolution. Uh, what do they get? Again, those at some point. Um, anyway. What ability does the, does the bat, does Bat Save Darkness get? And this is where I was really trying to get into some of the ideas of deck building. Because this is a deck building creature fighting kind of game. Like, like a Yu-Gi-Oh! But mixed with a Pokemon, mixed with a Shadowverse, mixed with a Hearthstone, mixed with Magic the Gathering. A whole concoction of things. So, uh, I feel like any sorts of those card games, and you love Dungeons and Dragons, is the game for you. Because ultimately, right, these are Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. You're just fighting with creatures you've summoned. So those players at home, DMs, that like to summon a bunch of creatures to fight with. Uh, whether it's a druid summoning, like... 21 8 spiders to do their bidding now they can actually just play a game where they can summon creatures and fight with the creatures that they've collected and summoned so um and here's what a great ability to highlight that so fiendish sacrifice when a fiend oromon you have in battle makes a melee weapon attack and misses you may discard this card from your hand to make that attack an automatic hit this does not get around resistance and immunities for damage so i'm thinking of making certain creatures have um highlight or certain types of creatures have a signature ability right kind of like how um think of the the best way i can describe this right is potentially the colors in magic right uh blue is usually like the mind games color that can counter spells fire or red or mountain is all about dealing direct burst damage green is all about summoning large creatures white's all about summoning a bunch of creatures and then they get buffs for having a bunch of creatures etc so and healing is also white magic the gathering right so uh, in these terms, uh, the fiends might have a signature ability, the celestials might have a signature ability, the constructs, the beasts, and that's where um, I think it might be fun to delve into that mechanic a little bit, because it's ultimately a card game with creatures, so um, obviously if you can use these creatures at home in just your normal campaigns, and you don't have to have that fiendish sacrifice ability, but if you were to play this game in this game mode, like, it is intended, totally, but you can use these creatures otherwise too, right? Um, then that's where that, that fiendish sacrifice comes into play. Basically saying, okay, when a fiend or a mon you have in battle makes a melee weapon attack and misses, you may discard this from your hand to make that attack an automatic hit. This does not get on resistance and immunities for damage. Now, obviously this is only a CR3 creature. CR3 bat creature. Now, 
as the game goes on, there's higher level CR things that are going to evolve into stronger, powerful, more creatures. Well, those might have sh like arch fiend sacrifice, and maybe that gets around resistances and immunities. Um, basically, like the fiends let you be able to sneak around and guarantee a hit for damage. So, and this is great for someone that's building a fiend or de or demon deck, right? You don't necessarily want this guy to be your key card because then you can't discard him because he's already out. But if he's in your deck and you plan to fight with fiends, and let's see, did I assign fiend to a background? Take a look. I haven't actually looked for that, but I just thought of that recently. So let me see, because we made custom backgrounds in the beginning of the game, right? Let me see. So fiend is by charlatan. So if you're playing a charlatan background character and you get your scope of fishing, deception, sleight of hand, and you get a deck bonus to using fiends, right? Which gets plus two to all attack rolls of cards of that creature type, rarity or ability. I might change that plus two down to just a simple plus one right now because otherwise the bonuses will get really crazy. So I'm going to make that be a plus one to all attack rolls of cards of that creature type, rarity, or ability. So um, if you're controlling a fiend, you'll get a plus one to that to all attack rolls to try to hit with them. Yeah, so if you're a charlatan and if you're playing with Batsy in your deck, right, and you want to describe that to guarantee your creature gets a hit off, that could be pretty cool. It's a pretty nice mechanic to use, right? So I have that, and I think you'll see another mechanic coming up later on uh, when I talk about um, Angelic Kitten, too. But anyway, so let's keep going with Batsy quick. We're almost done. So Batsy's right, got the echolocation. Um, so basically, you can't use the blindsight when it's deafened and keen hearing. But this is a cool deck building card, right? Uh, a little bit of the less of the total social aspect but can be if you want to have it out to be able to understand abyssal if your character does not be able to speak it because Batsy of darkness is the demonic messenger oramon um then his actions quick and then i'll go into its uh i don't want to say dex dis dex description because that's much like pokemon but in the oramon world like what is the lore behind this creature right so let's get in the actions quick uh just a simple bite with a plus three to hit uh five feet one target hits for 2d8 plus 3 piercing. I mean, look at those teeth. I don't want to give him multi-attack because I was like, mm, let's just give him one strong bite attack because look at those teeth. Those things look like that they would have hurt somebody. And then um, its other um, action it could do is called Demonic Tail, which gets a plus 3 to hit. I don't know if you've seen like its hooked kind of demon-looking tail there. But uh, hits for one target and hits for 2d6 plus 3 slashing. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 12 constitution saving throw or be blinded for one minute. Target can repeat the same throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. So, bats obviously blind people, or bats um, are blinded creatures, so I saw it fit to have him be able to cause creatures to become blind for a minute. And going to D&D status is quick, right? D&D blind condition. What does blinded do? Well, a blinded creature can't see and automatically fails any ability check that requires sight. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. And that goes away at the end of their turn. Or they can make a save and throw at the end of each of its turns. So it has to do one of its effects. It has to do something on its turn and it can't just make the check. It has to do something on its turn and then try to make the save. It doesn't lose at the start of its turn, right? So... A little cool thing if it's out fighting for you uh, but ultimately you might want to save this guy in your hand and just discard to give one of your um, next guys a guarantee hit which some demons could be quite strong so it has to be mainly weapon attack not spells so as well anyway let's get into some of the lore about batsy of darkness so the demonic messenger oramon so batsy of darkness is one of the many bats that has started its life normally but once finding a secret cave that connected to the underworld has lost all sense of what it was 
This transformation has led the normal bat to become corrupted and learn the language of Abyssal, and now serves the High Demon Lords as a messenger of despair. As an Oromancer's key card, Batsy of Darkness allows the Oromancer to be able to speak and understand the language of demons and fiends through learning Abyssal. When trying to build a deck of fiend-like Oromans, Batsy of Darkness is a great utility tool for combat. By being able to guarantee your next attack hits and make sure that your target gets the message that fiends are quite strong. Figure little plan words gets the message, messenger Oromon. Ah, funny. Cool. Alright, so that's Batsy of Darkness, right? What do you guys think? I think it's pretty cool. I think it's like a void or like a demon bat. I think it really highlights that idea of it. And the playing card looks pretty cool for it too. So I'll try to get it on the thumbnail. I'll see if I can get Batsy of Darkness in the next game. I'm about to talk about the thumbnails, like the two big points for the for today's episode. But Alright, continuing on. Um Angelic Kitten. I think this looks really cool. Um this is like a homebrew totally idea of um an astral I wish it was called I think Astral Feline or Angelic or um Holy Feline or something, but I ended up going with Angelic Kitten. Because let me look at it. I think it looks really cool as like, as like an angelic cat. It literally looks like one. Um, so it's a small celestial, lawful good, AC of 16. And when you think about celestials in this game uh, of D&D, they actually have pretty good stats for defensive maneuvers, right? So if I was to go to um, Pegasus quickly in the book here, I can just find it quick. I'm just using my uh, monster manual in front of me. Quick. Pegasus, I don't think has um, the best defense, but um, Quaddle, which I'm not saying right at all, which is a CR4, yeah. So Pegasus has an AC of 12, hit points of 59. That, that's like an early game Celestial, right? It's like a Pegasus as a good example compared to um, the Quaddle, which is, uh, I mean, Pegasus is CR2 with AC of 12 and hit points of 59, but a Quaddle, which is a, just a CR of 4, has an AC of 19 and hit points of 97. <sighs> really good. At just CR 4. So Angelic Kitten being CR 3 is CR below that. I figured, okay, AC 16 is a nice kind of sweet spot for that. Hit points of 45. Uh, speed of 40 feet. Climbing speed of 30. And a flying speed of... Uh, I'm sorry, speed of 40 feet. Climbing of 30 and flying of 40. So it can climb speed of 30. It can walk around at speed of 30. And it can fly as 40. So... Because it's got angelic wings on its back. So. Uh, Saving Thor gets plus three to wisdom. Because it's a pretty wise cat. Uh, I kept the perception and stealth bonuses from its previous form. As just being a cat. Damage resistance is radiant. It is immune to fear. Uh, it is a small celestial that's lawful good. I can't remember if I said that. I'm going to say it again quick. Its languages are celestial and common. And uh, pass perception of 14. So. Uh, what abilities does this thing have? Well, it's key card ability. Kitten spirit. After your key card for 24 hours, if the Oromancer would drop down to zero or less hit points, they instead auto-succeed their death-saving throws and stay alive at one hit point on their first turn down. This can also be activated once this can only be activated once per long rest, right? Because ultimately, you guys as Oromancers, you guys are gonna have health. The players are gonna have health. No one's saying that a bunch of creatures can't just start attacking the players and not their creatures and just go around, especially if they're wild. I mean, let's be fair, right? If it's another duelist, they're probably just going to fight the creatures to end the battle, and then they just win that way. But if they're a wild creature, they're just going to attack the humans. Like, they could just totally attack the players, or the races that they're playing as. Why not? And if you guys, as, as the player, ever goes down, because you guys are in combat. If an enemy activates a fireball spell, or a spell with an AoE effect, and you're too close to your Hormon, you're going to get hit with that blast, too. So basically what Angelic Kitten does for you is, as Kitten Spirit, um, think of it as the, um, the, the half-orc ability, right? If you go down... To below zero hit points, you come back. Um, so 
Um, after you kick out for 24 hours, if the Ormance were dropped down to zero less hit points, they instead auto-succeed their death-saving throws and stay alive at one hit point on their first turn down. What that means is, right, if they get down and if they take a bunch of hits from enemies before their turn starts, they're knocked out. They're done. They die, right? Uh, basically what this is, is you need to, it's not like an automatic effect. As soon as you drop down, bam, you're back at one. It says on your turn, you will auto-succeed your death saving throws, right? And you'll be alive at one hit point. Only bad for once per long rest, but it's still really good, a protection ability if you know you're going somewhere dangerous, right? Um, so that's a, that's a special key card ability got with this evolution. It's Angelic Gift. When Angelic Kitten gets sent to the graveyard in combat, the next Oromon you summon gets a plus one to its AC. So that might be the Celestial ability uh, I was potentially thinking of doing for Celestials. So if Angelic Kitten is out in the field and gets sent to the graveyard in combat, the next Oromon you summon gets a plus one to its AC. And you gotta realize, plus ones to their ACs are huge. Your Will-O-Wisp with 19 AC now has 20 as a CR3 creature. So there's some really crazy <laughs> and broken mechanics that you'll be able to do in this game that I'm excited for. Um, that I just can't wait to see what, what envelops from me putting this together. So Keen Smell, Angelic Kitten has advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on smell. That's the same thing a cat has. Uh, attacks. Angelic Kitten uh, has multi-attack. Makes two claw attacks or one angelic feather shot. Claw attack. Melee weapon attack plus three. Hits for five feet. One target hits for one d8 plus three slashing. Um, and then it could sort of do that twice or it could do angelic feather shot. Weapon attack plus five to hit reach of 10 feet. Three different targets instead of one target. Hit for 1d6 piercing damage plus 1d6 plus four radiant damage. So a little bit like it's shooting the feathers off of its wings and they're going flying at the enemies, piercing at them for radiant and um, piercing, piercing damage plus radiant damage. So kind of cool overlap there. So Angelic Kitten, the Holy Cat Oromon. Uh, once a cat has run out of its nine lives, it goes up to the great beyond to be judged by its creators. If deemed worthy, it gets blessed from the gods to come back to its owner to watch over them as they progress through life. If they pass again in this world in their angelic form, then the next Ormond replacement battle gets blessed with an AC bonus. Typical kind of um, angelic gift ability. Once angelic kitten is with their owners again for enough time, they're actually able to save their Ormancer from death one time until needing to rest again. By being a sacred creature, they're blessed and cannot be afraid of anything after having survived death so many times as a simple cat. Uh, they're also able to now communicate with their owners and celestials alike. So being able to, uh, basically what this is, right? This is a cat that has gone up to the great beyond, was given a second chance by its by, by the creators up above that brought it onto this, this earth or this world that it's on. And then lets it come back to be able to watch over and protect its um, Ormancer. So I think it's kind of like a cool protection and uh, celestial angelic kind of mechanic to be able to get basically give your next creature a plus one to hit, or plus one of AC, excuse me, which is almost kind of like the inverse of the fiends, right? The fiends guarantee an attack hits once. Doesn't apply through uh, resistance or immunities, but the angelic celestial ability is kind of like a defensive one versus an aggressive one, like the, like the fiends and demons have there. So I think that's cool. So that's I think pretty much it. That's Angelic Kitten. That's Batsy of Darkness. Uh, hopefully sometime this week I can get a stream in. Maybe. We'll see. I'm planning to visit my grandmother later on today, like I said, at the um, her rehab that she's at. Get back under her feet there. So, um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. I was able to get this episode in quick. Um, hopefully in the future we'll be able to see some other creatures. I randomly have 
Okay, Angry Mob is a potential one for the future, and um, Seymour the Shell Collector. Angry Mob, I'm trying to look at where that is on the list. Oh yeah, it does go Cat and then Commoner. So yeah, Angry Mob will hopefully be one coming next, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see next Angry Mob, and uh, at least Seymour the Shell Collector, the evolution of crab. But don't worry, um, King Crustacean will be used for the giant crab later on, So because you gotta rest. All these creatures have basic forms, and then giant forms that I have the fine art for, so... Yes, so some last things to think about. If you don't have any artists, reach out to me on Discord. Let me know. Always looking for people. Um, what do you think I should do about the leveling system in this game? Should it be a defeat a creature, gain XP? Should it be a um, system where it's fights you complete? Because I think I kind of like the battle ideas now a little better. It's kind of like gym badges, right, in Pokemon. I, um, you complete your number of fights, you make it to the gym leader, defeat the gym leader. You then have access to using stronger creatures or that'll listen to you through having gym badge right um so i might do the whole battle system um i left the arm log just to hear back from more people too do you like the idea of having pages that you guys as players can print keep track of the creatures that you have in your binder and that way you don't necessarily need to have playing cards of every creature ever um and you can actually now that i was thinking about it, you only really need two copies of each creature right for each player DMs, uh, one that they have that they fight with in their deck, another one that they earn that they can then put in their binder and then just keep track of how many of those that they own. You don't need to buy like 10 badgerings. You only need like two per player if they're ever going to plan to use them. So pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, so with that, I think that's it for me. So like I said, questions, answer down below. Thank you guys for making it this far into the, into the videos always and checking this out. Um, questions down below for some, just for some thoughts on that I'd like. Uh, how should the level system work? Should it be combat with experience? Like, should it be experience-based, or should it be battles-based? You can say the battles are experience in the, in the comments down below. Um, be sure to check out the Patreon if you haven't at least seen it. See what's there till you see what other options. Because there's more things there, too, besides just being able to make card packs and creatures. Um, that'll be cool. And yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Um, let me know what you think of the deck pack ideas names, too. Do you like the ideas of doing, like, a... Um, a reminiscence back to the first campaign of having Ama and Charlie and Gregory being involved here and things. So, yeah, with that being said, um, hopefully, like I said, I'll be able to get the next videos out at some point. Um, like I said, I'm going to be gone from the 3rd to the 10th, but I'll, when I'm right now, I'll try to respond to a bunch of people when I can. So, definitely DM me, let me know stuff about how things are going, even with you guys at home. How are things going at home? I know for me, it's about 92 degrees out, and I live up in the northeast of the United States. So, uh, it's usually not su this super hot, but it's getting super hot for me. So hopefully you guys are surviving out there in this heat scorch if you're in the United States or in other places of the world. And with that being said, have a good night. It's nighttime for you. Have a good day. It's daytime for you. And with that, I will catch you guys all in the future. All right. See you guys later.